So the reading today is Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God most, uh, more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Thanks, Azantha. Now, if you could keep that passage open, because that's what we're going to be trying to unravel. The subject uh, we've chosen for this talk is advancing the gospel, and it's pretty clear where that comes from. And my, my text this morning is, is our first verse, if you like to look at it. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. See, that's what matters. This is not just the responsibility of the uh, church leaders. It's the responsibility of every Christian. You know, Paul wrote to the men and women at Philippi. Look how he starts in verse 1. To all the saints, to all God's holy people, this is the message my first point is this, that the church in Philippi were partners in the gospel with Paul. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. We saw that before in verse 4. From the first day until now, one of the marks of a person becoming a Christian is they get involved and want to share the gospel with other people. The, the word laity keeps coming up now on the radio and television. It's unfortunate the way it's changed. Originally, the laity were the people of God. Everybody who is a Christian were part of the laos, the people of God. Now it's been tiered. So that you've got the special ones, you know, the, the ordained, the, the priests, and the plebs. Uh, the laity. But that's not the Bible's picture. The Bible's picture, we're all in it together, different gifts, but we're all here for Christ. We're partners in the gospel. Now just think of these uh, people in Philippi, living in a very secular society, and there they were, shining out for Christ. Just flick on, look at 2.13. We'll look at this later. They're shining like stars in the dark sky. 
every Christian there, as they hold out, um, our, our version says, uh, as they hold firmly to the word of God. But the whole context of Philippians is as they, they're holding it out to other people. They're telling people the good news. And you look at the next paragraph in chapter 2. It's, it's about Timothy, um, who served with me in the work of the gospel, holding out the, the word of life. These Christians unashamedly follow the Lord Jesus, the Jesus portrayed in Scripture, and, and they wanted to share him with other people because it's only by having a personal faith in Jesus that anyone can be saved. When Rosie and I were in China, we had a real thrill of going around with various people in the uh, churches, not the three self-churches, the unofficial ones, and seeing how these Christians, they loved the Lord Jesus. They loved to share him. When we went in a taxi, they'd always want to sit in the, in the front row next to the driver. I thought, this is strange. But no, they were very clear what they were there for. They would gently move the subject onto the gospel and ask them if they understood it. And they'd not leave the taxi without giving him something to read. They were partners in the gospel. It's, it's a very exciting thing to, to be in that sort of environment. It's for the advancement of the gospel that we've been chosen. See, we're partners with Paul. That as people see the difference in lives that we have, because we're wanting to share with others, we're wanting to be involved with others, and we want to tell people about Jesus. Things happen. But there's something that I've learned very much. We have to be intentional about this. Seeking to win others to share the gospel doesn't come naturally. It's something we've got to be praying for. Lord, give me opportunities. Looking for them, grabbing them when they come. If we're not intentional, we're not making this our constant prayer that God will use us, then, not surprisingly, you won't see much happen. Let's ask ourselves, are we constantly praying to be used? The Philippian uh, Christians were obviously concerned about Paul's imprisonment. He was this great evangelist who'd established churches all over the Roman world. And now he was locked up and couldn't teach. <laughs> What's going to happen now? Our greatest apologist, he's locked away. Does that mean the spread of God's gospel is going to be inhibited? So the, the first point is that all Christians are partners in the gospel with Paul. But now let's look at the example of Paul. You see, there's no way that the uh, faith of the gospel will be inhibited by Paul being locked up. Paul himself is very optimistic. Uh, he sees God is in charge. He's much bigger than this small thing about his being locked up in prison on a capital charge. 
He sees, look at verse 12. He sees, 1 verse 12, that his imprisonment has actually served to advance the gospel. See, Paul's focus in life is the unfolding purpose of God that people should be saved. The advancements of God's rule through society. It's, it's not on the problem that he focuses. It's on God's purpose. Where, wherever he is, he's looking for opportunities to promote Christ. He's intentional. Look at verse 16. I'm put here in prison for the advance of the gospel. The advance of the kingdom. And this is constantly in Paul's writing. Do you remember in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, I think it's on the screen. I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Christ longed for people to recognize who he was so that they could be saved. And Paul has followed this up. He has an unshakable confidence in the providence of God. You know what that means? It means God's in control of every circumstance that comes to us. So when you're told that you've got heart trouble, that you've got cancer, you've got old age, you know, just remember, God's in control of this. The providence of God is wonderful. You know, Paul says elsewhere, if, if, if God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. So let's get on and serve the Lord. And for him, being a prisoner, shackled under house arrest in Rome, just another unique opportunity to share the gospel. There he was, shackled to some uh, poor Roman from the imperial guard. But he sees it as an opportunity to advance the gospel. And the word there in the Greek to advance is, uh, implies a complete overcoming and flattening of everything that's in front of you, like a, like a tank. Nothing will stop it. The gospel's going out. And what seems to be stumbling blocks, blocks he sees as being stepping stones to advance the gospel. And this is a constant theme in the Bible. Do you remember Joseph down in Egypt? Uh, there he was, unfairly sold as a slave, wrongly accused of rape, locked up. But God raised him up to be the viceroy of Egypt. And what does he say to his brothers, the brothers who'd caused all these troubles? It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Interesting. He saw a bigger purpose. And, and later, he graciously said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. <laughs> to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Salvation is what the Bible's all about. So to be effective for Christ, we've got to be intentional. We've got to understand the, the providence of God so that wherever we are, whatever our circumstance, we're here for God. He's in control of everything that happens. You know, later on in Philippians 4.13, you see that there? 
I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. So there's Paul, poor Paul, shackled to this Roman soldier. He can't preach, the, preach to the crowds, but he can explain the gospel to this soldier. I can just imagine the conversation, can't you? Uh, I'm sorry you've drawn the short straw, Paul says to the soldier, you know, locked up to me for four hours. Do you, do you know why I'm here? No. Well, let me explain. It's all to do with Jesus. Do you know about him? And you can imagine how it goes on. Next guy comes four hours later, shackled up to Paul. <laughs> Excuse me asking you, but uh, do, do you know much about Jesus, whose cause I'm locked up here for? And so on. One after another, you can see them just traping in to hear the gospel. And I can just imagine what's going on in the pub. You know, these members of the Imperial Guard sitting there. Hey, we've been with this man, Paul. Do you know what he was talking about all the time? And so the whole Imperial Guard got to hear about it. And look at verse 13. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. So, we're partners in the gospel with Paul. We're ex uh, we're, we see the example of Paul. And now, let's look at the encouragement of Paul. I've been really impressed when I see Christians who are O and O. Do, do you know this one? We've had it before. Uh, it's, it means who are out and out for Christ. The great deal Moody introduced it. People whose prime concern, like Paul, wasn't their reputation. It's for Christ's reputation. Don't you find that encouraging? I was really encouraged chatting with Martin Povey at the uh, Passion for Life last week. And there's a, a young man who's committed his life to living for Christ. I was here on the, uh, at the Friday group, Vanessa sitting here, telling us about you know, someone she'd talked to on holiday. And suddenly the conversation had just opened and they were fascinated to know about the importance of Jesus. <laughs> Look at verse 14. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. That's what God wants for all of us. To be so thrilled with the gospel, we long. We're intentional. We're praying for opportunities to pass it on. Some, some time ago, I was talking to the OIQ, the Oxford Christian Union, and I was talking on this, this subject of Christians needing to learn how to talk about Jesus. And on the way back, you know, I suppose uh, you know, speakers often learn from what they've prepared. Uh, I was sitting at a bus stop, or waiting at a bus stop, with quite a few other people. And I thought, I wonder if there's an opportunity here. And the man next to me was a very dignified man. He, he turned out he was a, a headmaster of a public school. And he, we started chatting, and he said he'd been to a, a lecture on the, uh, the early Roman society. 
Uh, and he said it, it was fascinating. And then, as always, when you start talking, you know, they always ask you the same question, don't they? You know, what have you been doing? Um, and what have you been doing? So I explained I'd been talking to the students in the university about the importance of sharing the Christian gospel. Oh, interesting, he said. It could have fallen flat there, but I was a little bit bold and say, excuse me asking you, but do you think you can explain the gospel very succinctly to your students? And this headmaster thought himself, says, you know, I don't think I could. What a fabulous opportunity. Unfortunately, the bus was a bit late. So we were able to explain. Do you all know this one? Uh, what is the, the gospel? That I explained this to him. It's interesting. Other people at the bus stop were watching. But I said, look, God made the world. He made it through Jesus and put Jesus in control. But people don't want him to be Lord. They want to go their own way. But the gospel, the good news is that anyone who returns to live under the authority of Jesus is treated by God as if they've never rebelled. His death covers them and forgives their sin. But if we don't return to live under his authority, we'll be separated from God for eternity. It only takes 20 seconds. But we had a fabulous conversation. We sat together in the, uh, in the bus afterwards. It's, it's not difficult to learn to talk about Jesus. And God is in control of all our circumstances. Uh, the, I'll never forget one afternoon in the hospital. I was doing a ward round with uh, all the students and nurses. Some of you heard this one, but I, Alice was lying in this bed. She'd got advanced cancer and she was dying. But as I got to her, I sat in her bed and held her hand. And she, she looked me in the face and said, Mr. Palmer, when am I going home? Now, it's a bit difficult because she wasn't fit enough to go home at all. She was dying. I said, Alice, I don't think you could cope at home. And then she looked at me with a wonderful smile on her face and says, no, she says, I don't mean that. When am I going to go home to be with the Lord Jesus in heaven? Wow. You're never, well, you can guess what everyone talked about at the tea after the ward round. Alice, that simple line. And some of you may remember John Farrer. Remember John? Very able headmaster, Purton. He got the top school, do you remember? In there. And then he got motor neuron disease. And it was quite aggressive. And... He, he spent the last six months of his life in our granny flat, so we saw quite a lot. When he was first diagnosed, he, he was asking about euthanasia. But as he worked it out, he decided, no, God is in control of everything. I'll use my problems for him. And as he declined, he couldn't speak. He had to use one of these machines, you know, that you uh, type into and it speaks out. Uh, he used to be visited by a lot of athletes. He used to go in for Ironman competitions and all these sort of things. He's a very good skier. And every day, somebody would come and visit him. Quite remarkable. 
But dear John, he, he learned to, uh, to say that it was his faith in Jesus that enabled him to, to cope with what's going on. And then he'd ask them, do you have an answer to what's the real purpose of your life? Have you found Jesus? And he used to uh, get through many copies of, of Cure for Life, giving them to these people. But what a wonderful example, a bit like Paul. Real problems, but seeing how they can be used for Christ. <laughs> and you can imagine in Rome in Paul's time, the imperial guard, all talking about this gospel. It's just so encouraging. And it wasn't only the soldiers. It's the other Christians. They heard about what was going on. And they were encouraged. You can see it there. If that little man Paul can do that when he's locked up, well, what about us with all our freedom? Everybody must have the opportunity to learn about the Lord Jesus, to know how they can receive eternal life how they can come to live under the authority of Jesus. It needs to be told today that being a church member, being baptized, whether an Anglican, a Roman Catholic, or a nonconformist church, doesn't mean that Jesus is Lord. It doesn't mean that we are sold out to living for him. But that's what the Bible teaches. Jesus becomes my Lord. We all know in our heart of hearts where we are. If we are dependent on him. If we are committed to serving him. So, we've got partners of Paul. We're, we've got the example of Paul. We've got the encouragement of Paul. But now we've got this interesting little chunk at the end uh, about the rivals of Paul. Verse 15, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy or rivalry. Now, they, they had denominations back then. You know, some of the people meeting in the church, in churches, were definitely not supporters of Paul. But if they preached about Jesus, then he was very happy. And sometimes perhaps... In, in our denominations. There are some groups that are, are way off and should be shunned. But there are people with just a different twist, but they love the Lord Jesus. They love the word of God. You see, I think this is what he's trying to say here. Uh, their motivation is questioned by Paul, but not their gospel. And it's the gospel that is absolutely important and um, people become Christian leaders for all sorts of purposes uh, their motives may be to have authority uh, to be have power of being a leader that's not good but if they're teaching what matters most about Jesus then let's go for it because the world needs to know that God entered this world as Jesus Christ. <laughs> For anyone who, who wants to look a bit deeper at this, do you remember Moses in Numbers 11? Do some homework when you get home. 
Numbers 11. Moses faced exactly the same trouble. You know, everyone was moaning, the children of Israel. They, they wanted some meat. They hadn't got any meat. And Moses called all the elders together of Israel and told them what God was going to do. Except there were only two people, Eldad and Medad, who didn't meet up with the others. Uh, and you can imagine the, uh, the concern. Uh, Joshua complained to Moses. Uh, and, uh, and Moses replied, are you zealous for my sake? I wish all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Doesn't that ring bells? That's, that's what uh, happened at Pentecost. That's what Joel prophesied, that God's spirit would come on all people. All Christians would share the gospel, would tell other people, would prophesy about the Lord Jesus. It's wonderful to know that God has chosen us to be his representatives. And he empowers us by his Holy Spirit to do just this. I don't think we talk enough about Christian biographies. We do need to be, keep reading. They're so encouraging. Do, do you know that one of uh, Corrie ten Boom, um, Tramp for the Lord? If you've not read it, please do. You can get it for about 50p on Amazon now, £2.75 postage. <laughs> but it tells the story of, of, of Corrie and Betsy, who were imprisoned because their family uh, hid Jews in the Second World War. And eventually they landed up at Ravensbrück, an awful place. They were there for Christ, unashamedly. And they were thrilled. Do you remember that they had a Bible study in, in one of the uh, sort of cabins they had there? And they couldn't understand why they, no guards or anyone ever came in to disturb them. This reason was it was covered with fleas, and none of the, uh, the Germans wanted to go in. But Betsy, she died in Ravensbrück. Uh, but she kept exuding this joy and contentment and concern for the gospel. <laughs> There's one warning, though. It's it is possible for us to be uh, professional Christians, uh, a Christian leader, and not have this longing to win people for Christ. That's a disaster. The, <clears throat> I've got this wonderful s story that uh, I've, I heard, and I, I put it in, uh, in The Duty of a Disciple. Can I just share it with you? Because it's, it's quite telling. It's about a lady who organized, a uh, Christian lady, Christian conferences. I was helping to get up a big uh, convention and was full of enthusiasm over making the session a success. On the opening day, my aged father, who came as a delegate to the convention, sat with me at luncheon in the hotel. He listened sympathetically to my glowing accounts of the great features that there were, there were going to be. When I paused for breath, he leaned towards me and said, whilst his eye followed the uh, stately movements of somebody, daughter, I think that big head waiter over there is going to accept Jesus Christ. I've been talking to him. <laughs> I almost gasped. 
I'd been too busy planning for a great missionary convention. I had not time to think of the soul of the head waiter. When we went to my apartment, a Negro man was washing the apartment windows. Jim was honest and trustworthy, and been a most satisfactory helper in my home. Only a few minutes passed before I heard my father talking earnestly with Jim about his personal salvation. And a swift accusation went to my heart as I realized that I'd known Jim for years and had never said a word to him of salvation. A carpenter came in to repair a door. I waited his going with impatience to sign his work ticket for my ardent soul longed to be back to my missionary work. <laughs> Even as I waited, I heard my father talking with the man about the door he'd just fixed and then simply and naturally leading the conversation to the only door into the kingdom of God. And so on, the Jew across the road, the, <laughs> the wife of a prominent railway man uh, took him out for a ride in their elegant limousine. I'm glad she asked me to go, he said, for it gave me an opportunity of talking with her about her salvation. I don't think anyone had ever talked to her before about this. And then this lady finished. These opportunities have come to me also and have passed by as ships in the night while I strained my eyes to catch sight of a larger sail on a more distant horizon. I could but question my own heart whether my passion was for souls or for success in getting up conventions. You know, we may be very good ethical teachers, maybe doctors, lawyers, office workers, shop assistants, housewives, whatever we are. But let's just finish with, with this text. Because it's all about, is God using me to advance the gospel? Look at verse 12 again, our text. I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. In the very least, we can invite people to our home group, to our church. Very often, that'll be the beginning of a conversation. The harvest, which we're talking about today, is plentiful. You remember Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And what's he then do? All the disciples are sent out into the, uh, into the harvest field. And Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the example of Paul. Thank you for his passion to win people for Jesus Christ so that they could be saved and go to heaven. Lord, we do pray for our country where so many people can't even understand the gospel. They can't explain it. Lord, please help us to have opportunities to invite people, to talk to them that Jesus, our creator, is also our Lord and we must never reject him. Be with us all, we pray. Amen.